Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Well, many thanks for joining us on the Journal of Biophilic Design today. Um, if you haven't already, do check out our website and also search for the Journal of Biophilic Design on Amazon because we've now got three issues of the journal out. First one's on workspace, second one on home, and the one just out now is healthcare. Um, it's full colour and um, it's about nature-inspired design, science, well-being, planting, how to reach net zero, um, loads of inspiration in there. And it's um, it's a very tactile experience. Um, we're really um, excited to be joined by a chap called Steve Brewer. He's founding partner of Burt Jones and Brewer. So um, that's an independent award-winning workplace design consultancy. Um, so first of all, hi, Steve. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Great. Well, um, Steve's going to be speaking at the Workplace uh, Design Show on the 27th and 28th of February at the Business Design Centre in London. Um, and I'm going to put a link to the blurb in the blurb. Sorry, I'm going to put a link to the show in the blurb. Um, and he's going to be on a panel I'm chairing as well. So I'm looking forward to, to continuing the discussion there. So please do go along and make sure you get yourself some free tickets. Um, but first, so um, if you'd like to kick off, uh, Steve, by telling us about yourself, what got you into design and um, kind of what's been your journey really into into sort of uh, design? But thanks. This is a is a subject, as you may or may not know, is that it's one I've been passionate about for for many years. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting question. What got me into design? And I don't think, to be honest, I got into design. I got into problem solving. Um, I was a in industrial designer um, by trade, so I was always seeing. Well, say a young age, you know, the age of five. No, nothing is nothing as profound as that. But I certainly going through the GCSEs and going through the degrees and universities and all that. Um, I was, it was design, it was that balance of form and function where I was coming up with solutions um, and products that could help people um, live a better life, I suppose, and and from a commercial perspective. But also then I also went into um, quite a niche market in terms of healthcare and wheelchair design to start with as well. So I saw these these horribly designed NHS products that, yeah. rightly or wrongly, were, were doing the were doing the function arguably okay, but just who would want to use them? You know, you it's like the crutches you 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 break your ankle, you break your leg on a skiing accident or whatever, yeah. and you've got to take these horrible looking crutches home that you've got to live with for only yeah. for six weeks. But let's say, let's say that you've you know you're in a you're wheelchair bound or you're you're, you're ambient disabled or whatever else is going on with you personally. Um, I saw that there was, yeah, there was an opportunity there that you know you've got to have these things with you on a daily basis. That I would, I would take that a bit further and say, well, why shouldn't they just look a bit better? They, you, know, you can have, you can have products which look nice and work well, you know. Mm. And that's how I probably how I fell into um, design, and then of course then I fell into uh, interior design, um, space planning when I needed a job as a junior designer, uh, and then and then the rest is. One might say the rest is history. So yes, yes. <laughs> oh, fantastic! That's really cool. I'd like to have a look at those though, the things that you designed. So maybe we could have a conversation about that another time. But um, uh, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, they are ugly, aren't they? They're, they're sort of like scary ugly. They're always so sort of metal and contraptiony, and they're just they're just sort of horrible. They're not organic. I mean, you think years and years ago things used to be made of wood, like the old crutches and, yeah. and things that were tactile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, you know, obviously from a man 
manufacturing point of view and an ease of use point of view and all the the cleaning the fm side of the world that we you know we have to adhere to as well um but yeah there's no reason why you can't just have a nice tactile handle on a nice piece of metal so that you can it's yeah just try and take a step yeah obviously we need to create you know workplaces that people enjoy coming to I mean, what sort of fundamentally, what's one of the main reasons that we need to create better workplaces? What's one of the main reasons? Yes, there are probably. It's a big question, isn't it? Well, you can answer it very simply to inspire more people to come back back into the office now. But I think um, create better workspaces would be, from my perspective, may well be to create a better workplace experience um, for you as an individual. So and I think that's become a, a lot more paramount as a result of the pandemic as well. Um, I've, I've touched on the subject of, of tailorism in the workplace now. So the exp- experience people had um, through the pandemic was 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 wide and varied. Um, luckily for myself, it's it's um, it didn't change radically. But at the same time, where I've got my yin yang of a lifestyle where I, I work from home and I go into London, um, I missed that London experience. I missed I missed people. I missed that kind of working with my team and seeing my team and meeting clients face to face. So whatever your experience was, I think that Taylorism now in the workplace about making the better experience in the workplace better for you as an individual. Um, I think it is. I think a lot more companies now are boiling down to the conversation of the individual you know it used to be the team or the department and you were just almost just told what to do um and i think now over the years and this is not for every company every company is on that on that journey somewhere on that scale of one to ten as well and and some are way back at number one and they're still trying to grapple with um that that uh that customer workplace experience whereas some companies have been leading the way for ever since i've had the pleasure of working with them so it's i'd say yeah Designing better would be to benchmark where that company is now and where they want to go in the future. Um, that would be better for them. So it's it's a very it's a very tailored um, response in terms of where that company is now, and um, and I and I yeah I, I think I would say I always take coin the phrase co work co designing workspaces as well. Yeah. You know that would that's always a better experience for people. You know that gives you a better end result when you get the staff with you. Um, they're part of the process. I have, I don't have the answers. You have the answers, and I try and extract them, the answers from them, and we will put it together. Um, um, the jigsaw puzzle that I, allude, I alluded to in a in a in a panel discussion recently, um, putting all the jigsaw puzzles pieces together and trying to make trying to make it a, 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 the best looking picture that everybody agrees to at the end of the day. That's a that's a challenge as well. So uh, yes, it's <laughs> a nice analogy that actually sort of like everybody's got a piece of the jigsaw or they bring in another piece or a couple of pieces even maybe they'll, you know, maybe a whole side, but you actually, at the end of the day, you're creating something together that's, um you know, that's creates a better picture. That's really, that's really nice. Um, well, you... Say again? <laughs> Fingers crossed, I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well i've just just uh i'm gonna put a link to your website um which for people who are listening i might want to google while they're running um it's bert bu be sorry bur double t hyphen jones and brewer.com so um do have a look at what they've created because it's beautiful i was saying before we um we started recording that um they feel like you can breathe 
in the spaces um so obviously it's really works the the sort of collaborate collaborative approach that you've got to design because i can imagine the people who work there really um enjoy the experience of coming to work so um yeah thank you for thank you for saying that and i think um as i alluded to before we uh before we briefly spoke it's um it's my team's uh, my team's outcome um of, of the design as well as the yeah the client's um, and the workshops that we run through that through that process so it's yeah i think if you can the more of that you can do when it comes to design the better the better foundations you build anyway so yeah yeah that's really nice um you sort of see nature inspired design i mean where if people are watching this on youtube um on our youtube channel you'll see where he's where he's working now which um you said it's your it's your sort of home home space um it's beautiful views of trees there's lovely wood things there's almost like a sail going above your head i'm not quite sure what that is but that looks amazing it's probably like to came out the sun or something it just looks looks it looks really it's, it's very well biophilic um you mentioned um that it's close to your home the kind of the whole sort of sort of nature inspired sort of aspect of things um can you explain how you think biophilic design sort of helps well-being i mean that could be generically or it could be in the office or whatever but for you what what does sort of biophilic design mean um yeah i suppose i was a bit a bit skeptical when when the sort of term the, well i, I when the yeah. term sort of bubbled there yeah, the term design bubbled to the surface and and I've, I've unfortunately been in this job now for 23 years and and was, the conversation about bringing the outside in and so you know oh there's another there's another design term that nobody's going to understand and it's yeah. it'll be about and um and i think what's what biophilic design does mean to me and luckily i think as a as a person who does have a passion for the outside it's always you know we've i've always tried to encourage clients to to sort of bring bring that experience into the office but i'm also very skeptical these days that it's it's a little bit of a sticky plaster solution mm. um you know we are designing predominantly our interior designs the building's already there we're not designing buildings um they're glass sealed boxes with air conditioning so when we're trying to bring in biophilic design into that experience where you you've been on the tube um you, you rush to work um you grabbed a coffee you probably have no breakfast the kids were screaming and then you kind of get into this work environment where actually yeah if you if you can if we can bring more biophilic design experience into those glass boxes with air conditioning that you can't have enough to do about then yeah surely that experience is going to lift your well-being and it's going to um it's going to calm you down you're sort of i'm not going to pretend I, I can i know what i'm talking about those those cortisone levels will hopefully be reduced by not seeing um white walls and and echo, horrible sounds and poor glaring white light and so yeah i think biophilic design you know the the the, the uh um, the criticism I used to apply to it, I think, is now gone. And I do, I do see. I mean, I lived, I moved here um, to work from here and have this daily experience, rather than, you know, that's a that was a personal health choice I made. It, I made a good few years ago with my family to say, actually, you know, this is my yin to my yang. So yeah, I think if we, the more we can do as designers to encourage um, biophilic design, and maybe not to use that term straight away with a client because it's another word that might just go over their straight over their head so think talk about it in a subtle way and then introduce it into the conversation very early on and then talk about the importance of and it's just not yes it's the the, the time old joke where you know, it would you know bringing planting into some offices is a big move for some co companies that's to, that to them is very alien and then talk about the importance of that and then 
where and when to introduce the conversation um, in the process. Don't don't go into a presentation and go, hey, just buy a design and make it look like a jungle because that will intimidate. Right. So it, again, it's, it's about it's about making sure they understand and, and when to talk about it in the process when it comes to design as well. So it's a. Uh, but he says that sitting here, staring out into the woods. So I guess I'm I'm you're, I'm talking to the converted, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's true, isn't it? When you like saying it's um, there's still. I mean, um, Nuria Munoz in in uh, Valencia. You know, in Spain, it's not a term that's really widely used, even within interior designers or whatever. So, trying to so you know. It's, 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 a, it's a it's a term which is great because we all understand it for who are working in that space but um getting it across into the workspace it's almost like selling the benefits isn't it you know bringing better like natural light in and and yeah. better yeah. airflow and stuff yeah yeah absolutely i think there's you I mean the people in the room that you're you can be presenting to you could be everybody from you know the staff right the way through the to the accountant and there will be somebody in there who's just you know, from an FM background. So you start talking about certain things, um, alarm bells start ringing, or how do I clean this? How much is that going to cost me? Um, <laughs> but yeah, talk about the talk about the benefits and the benefits of the staff, talk about the benefits of the staff from a well-being perspective, yeah. talk about the benefit well-being perspective in terms of um, um, enhancing their experience. And then you start talking about somebody's ears will prick up when you talk about, you know, trying the, the byproduct will be increased productivity. Yeah. That's only you're not your 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 end goal isn't productivity. Your end goal is to make people happier and come to work. Um, but they will naturally be, hopefully, they'll naturally be uh, be happier and be more productive if they're happier. I dare I dare say. But um, yeah, exactly. I mean, how do you think we can incorporate um, biophilic design a little bit more into our sort of design um, thinking and sort of the implementation? I mean, you've said about us trying to sell it to the people in maybe in a different way, but you know, how can you know, designers who are maybe, you know, kind of going down a more or sort of even feel pressurized into going down a more sort of traditional route, you know, with certain fabric, yeah. and certain things. I mean, how how can we kind of bridge that gap, really? Gosh. Um, yeah, it's a big it's a big question. How do we bridge that gap? It's it's I, I, I suppose it's, you know, slowly, slowly catchy monkey in many yeah. ways, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you've, got, you've got to have some clients where. You know what my work my work with the hm treasury you know they were they fully embraced it luckily for me um they fully embraced quite early on that okay it was only planting but from planting where they wanted to increase that you know the, the conversations and workshops with staff um and then from that the conversation then kind of started to snowball about the use of more natural materials um investing a bit more in terms of you know, why choose different um, style fabrics, but then having another conversation with the other departments to make sure um, from a sort of um, a, a DDA disabled and kind of um, neuroscience kind of perspective, um, really playing around with the lighting. So you start to start to drip feed that conversation in quite early. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully that then starts to, starts to build that conversation up really, I think at the start. Um, but then saying that, my my son, who we we home ed, um, he was talking to me this morning about um, a fig tree, um, strangler fig. So so when I thought when I, I started to scratch my head, thinking this is this is quite an apt conversation to be having ahead of talking to Ness. <laughs> but I thought actually bio, biophilic design could be biophilia design or biophilic design could be quite a the plant world mm. and the nature. Can be can be quite ruthless as well, mate. So I think we, we should be we should be mindful of that. <laughs> 
strangler fig tree that the strangler fig that's basically designed to kill the tree that's to kill its host i was thinking yeah so actually actually nature can be quite can be quite ruthless at the same time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's true, because while, we, while we're sort of thinking we want to bring the best of nature in, so like as, as Dr. Sally Augustine says, always like, you know, sort of a lovely spring day. That's kind of what you want to do, like a meadow and a spring day, that kind of vibe. That's what you want to bring in, you know, from the soundscapes and everything else. Um, but actually, I suppose you could almost sort of flip it on its head and say, well, you know, in nature, there are dangers. <clears throat> You know, there are grizzly, there are grizzly bears and there are, you know, you know, crazy torrents of water and there are earthquakes. So, I mean, if you're trying to get people to really, you know, I mean, you know, why not? Why not have like a room where it's like experiential, <laughs> where like, like yeah, a no, team. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you, there's the visual that we can play with those. Like, like you know, nature does use the kind of bumblebee red and black yeah. kind of colours or red as a warning sign so yeah why not kind of play around with that in certain places in in the workplace but also at the same time you know if i look at my look at my view now you know there's out through the window you know it it is very tonal it is very green it is very at the moment luckily very very blue but you know look look to another la layer and you're looking at the, the trees and the barks and the kind of the leaves so you know where can you where can you play around with you know what nature gives us um but at the same time, I'm also a little bit sceptical that, you know, some people like leather shoes and they like pavements to be smooth and they like air conditioning and they like nothing on and they like. So, you know, what when we talk about biofield design and its importance, um, it may not be everybody's cup of tea either. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm personally I personally love the idea where I'd like to wrap a square column in an office with a with a tree trunk looking so tree trunk looking cladding so it looks like giant redwoods you know, running up through the floors but at the same time yeah some people just may not see the purpose in that or see the point in that so uh yeah it's it's all about it's all about compromise at the end of the day as well so yeah yeah exactly yeah and i suppose as well it's like you know if that person may actually have a stressful day or a special stressful job he's you know his vibe now her vibe may be a completely different sort of plane that he's yeah. working on, she's working on so you know you know that that sort of thing but whereas other people like say maybe 80 percent of the people in the in the workplace are stressed so actually seeing like something tree clad would actually do them better so you know that could be the ceo but they'd get more money and better better better, better productivity from this stuff they do clad that post with with, with wood but like you say it's yeah, a, it's I, I, I thought it would look wonderful you know these kind of these square horrible columns that got sharp edges which we yeah. get again Clad them in these nice round looking bark redwood yeah, kind of, yeah. that'd be amazing I I'd be, yeah I, I mean I, i'd be desperate to go to the next floor above though and actually see the top of the tree but i'm not too sure yeah. we could we could go that far <laughs> yeah yeah it'd be brilliant wouldn't it yeah and put a little tree house in it as well so yeah just you know look for the little gnomes and things so <laughs> no, no, it's just going too far let's just stop now um <laughs> just um can you give us an example you mentioned about hm treasury but is there an example that you could sort of maybe just i mean it's quite hard on audio <laughs> But maybe to kind of describe um, maybe what the client needed, but where you've implemented biophilic design, um, just to maybe either give us an idea of what the place was like before or, you know, what you did or what the difference it made, you know, just kind of give us a bit of a flavour of how you've um, used biophilic design in a, in a workplace. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, I suppose, um, I suppose the project with, um, with, with Shelter, um, yeah. the housing challenge, just on Old Street in London. Um, I think even though we didn't use the term 
too much by was we didn't allude to that a lot in the workshops but we did allude to the fact that we were um introducing a lot more of the the sort of uh, allowing people to a lot more control of their own workspace so what it was like before and i think shelter would be happy for me to um introduce it in this way it was and and luckily um this was so this was pre-pandemic it was uh five floors I think around about 350 or so people, around about 350 or so desks. Um, so a very traditional kind of, you know, a sort of back on the sort of level one kind of tra very traditional way of working. Um, we then we then went in and started running some workshops with them. Um, and then the, 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 I mentioned the word once or twice too many times this morning, but the pandemic then came along. And actually, as a, as a result of that, we were we were the, it, it then encouraged Shelter to and um, to really really rework their uh, look at the way they were working using the building. Let's say so because they own the building, so they really wanted to. Although although it was quite a challenging building anyway, because it's it's an old it's an old building. So when we actually started to look at, talk to them about how many people do we really want to fit into this building any time, how much choice in terms of alternative work settings can we give them? And then how much can we play around with lighting levels and tailoring that personally, um, alternative workspaces, um, the the use of um, upcycling and recycling products. So whether that falls into the biophilic severe, I, I, mean, I guess it's somewhere, somewhere in that world. Um, so to not to waste products um, sustainably, but also not, not, not just financially, but what other products can we use to recycle? Um, where there were we we did have conversations about yurts on the roof and and beehives um which which may, may or may not come back around but i think i think i think uh, i'm yet to twist twist shelter's arm to uh, to introduce those but again they, it was they had a really big sense of so we we didn't use the word culture a lot so i really embraced the the word community while working with shelter um a because of what they do as a charity which is which is an amazing work but at the same time looking back into in the office like so actually by bringing more just planting into the office having staff a staff group look after the planting so it's not just that kind of square peg round hole solution where you've got this wonderfully delivered biophilic end result how does that get looked after why did you make those decisions um and it's so very much a very much a kind of two-way conversation and then and then to allow people to um look after that and champion it so they're just you know it's not just um, something they come in every day to ex expect to be cared for because you know believe it or not those plants do need water and they do need light they do need so if somebody in the office or a small team in the office can can look after things like as simple as that um, mm. I think it just adds another layer to the conversation which which hopefully helps um, but yeah it was a, it was a great it was a great project I dare I dare say um, you know we could have gone a bit a bit deeper a step further again but be because they were quite traditional to start with i think we went far enough in that initial initial phase of work um and again we, we may be hopefully we'll revisit in the future to enhance enhance it um to another level so yeah that's lovely so people listening if they're abroad they, they might not know what shelter does shelter is basically a homeless charity isn't it they kind of have helped find housing and and um place for people and to and sort of help almost not rehabilitate them in, in the sense of habitat meaning home um in the traditional sense um so and Alice, I should imagine it's a very quite stressful emotional job as well that some of those people particularly on the sort of you know the front facing um you know interface of 
people who are homeless and and actually the sort of solutions I think you know creating a space that's almost like a haven for them that's that's like a home for them actually as well you know what I mean and I love the fact that they can create and look after the plants I mean we also know that if you look after a plant you're looking after yourself as well you've got more chance of looking after yourself so there's all this sort of win-win and then I suppose when it comes to creating homes for these people as well they kind of can go oh you know help them also create a homely um safe haven as well yeah yeah def definitely definitely and I think that that home um home is a key word that they they use and obviously we try to bring that as much and again a fine line of making the workplace homely yeah I, I'm I'm, I'm always i'm a bit anxious i'm making it too homely at the same time yeah. um there's elements that you can certainly introduce into the workplace but um yeah you know do you want all your colleagues walking around with their with their shoes and socks off and but, you know there's, there's an element of that isn't it? it's, it's, it's tongue-in-cheek but they, i think there's a it's an important element to bring into the workplace but there's you're still you're still there for for a different reason than than at home so um yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I suppose it's sort of home. I suppose comfort is a word, isn't it? I suppose, or somewhere that feels yeah. safe. Yeah. It's like a. I sort of yeah. I use the word haven quite a bit because I quite like that. It's like somewhere you can go and, you know, it's not as that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 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 You, you mentioned about recycling and sort of repurposing uh, materials um, in that particular project, which I think is a really fantastic idea. Obviously, biophilic design as well uses wood and uh, you know a lot of that sort of natural materials in there. And we, we know as well that, you know, if people are surrounded by like plants and wood, they also act more sustainably um, in their in their lives. And obviously, you know, they have more sustainable, sustainable behavior. That's not quite right. But you know what I mean? Is it a behavior more environmentally friendly? Um, do you think biophilic design could help, you know, in the sort of bigger picture, could help um, companies reach net zero? um it's, it, it can help it could it it can go some way to help some companies meet net zero yeah. uh i dare say yes to that um yeah. i think there's going be, it's going to be you know you walk around you know you walk around london you know at three o'clock in the afternoon though on some on a gray winter's day and you know this lit up like a, every building's lit up, lit up like a christmas tree so yeah. even simple things for for years when i you know i'd, I'd go into london when you know, look at that high-rise building and, and you know there's too many there's one too many lights left on and even on a basic level you're sort of left there scratching your head going why is there not pir sensors in there why is there nobody yeah. turning those lights off i know that's just that's just one that's just one little thing that you kind of you left there sort of left from my perspective sort of scratching my head going come on you could you could do better just at that so yeah. uh, but then you know Again, I was looking. At, I was watching a YouTube video this morning about um, this company now using um, fish scales as a byproduct of the fishing industry. But that's a whole other conversation that I had with my son this morning. Um, <laughs> but they're using fish scales now to make to make tiles. So you know, you can make a you can make a work from it. You can make it. They're doing all sorts with. And again, I think the byproducts of um, products where may or may not be helping our environment as well as they could be. You know, we should be utilising what we've got already, you know, around us. Um, and I think when it comes to, you know, myself and, and my business, uh, we're currently going for a, a B Corp um, yeah. um, certification as well, uh, which you can, I can, I won't try and explain here and now. But from that, it, it allows us to make sure we can, we can challenge our, um, our own specification, um, you know, interrogate. We, basically, it's great. We interrogate our own designs a bit further we interrogate the client 
um, it's probably the wrong choice of words. Um, we have the conversation with the client a, a, another, you know, a little bit deeper when it comes to specifying those products and what we can reuse and recycle. So, so yeah, I, I think I think Firefoot Design, you know, it will go some way to help that. But unfortunately, you know, it depends on the company, what they produce, um, how they're. Uh, upstream downstream channels work as well but um but yeah i think i think slow slowly i think slowly you know the, as the conversation continues to evolve and get and gets bigger um the bubble gets bigger and it and it, and it grows more people will be bumping into that conversation on a daily basis so um those decision making processes will will inform um you know sustainability now then you've got to break down sustainability means and what biophilic design means and yeah just just um yeah carbon carbon you know net zero yeah. will work so, uh, um it's uh fingers crossed is all i can i can say so yeah absolutely and i think as well because we're using more woods naturally or more sort of like or cottons or linens and stuff we're using less um plastics and yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, I'm, yeah, I, I say my, I, I say I'm sat here looking at the, looking into the woods, but this is, this is also around me and very close to me is, is, is forestry England land. So, um, but my, my yeah. family understand they are, they are just like they're, they're a giant crop. You know, those trees are grown as a giant crop, so they will be, so wood will be cut down, but then you know, they're replanted, they're regrown, so they're renewed. So, how yeah. we, where we when we choose our wood where do we get it from where's it coming in from um yeah. is it is it is it so yeah is, is a is it is it one little one little specification of, of one little product um yeah it, it it should be a little crib sheet um and and again we are we are asking clients a lot earlier on now to about that decision making process um is this important to you um, the, the workshop I, I, the workshop I was in only last week um that question I asked that question you know to design products can we can we make sure when we're specifying products can we recycle all of all of your existing desks um, um rather than just buying new ones so yeah just just get in there get in there earlier with that conversation it will hopefully hopefully champion 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 that so others to others to have it as well so that's yeah. fantastic well um we're nearly at the end of the podcast and um, steve thanks so much for your time um so before i ask you the final question is there anything else that you'd like to add at this point probably a lot um nest to be <laughs> <laughs> but um but I, I dare say you've got a um you've probably interviewed and there's probably people a lot more people out there a lot more uh qualified um than me to talk about biophilic design but um yeah no i mean you know we're we're a small we're a small team or we, we're fortunate enough to work with um you know some some great clients and you know we 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 hopefully we hopefully are on that take them on that journey where where we can challenge champion champion design the importance of design um you know we don't you know we're we're challenging those companies we specify from now so the furniture so we're looking at the furniture we specify and what fabrics we're using um the fit out industry um the the built environment to start with I, you know i my personal my personal thoughts on architecture and this is not to not to knock the world of architecture but yeah can we not be can we not really be thinking a bit harder now when it comes to architecture um i think um not to allude onto the final question or, or already ness but um you know if we could all start again should we be should we all not be work, walking through the woods to get to our buildings or tree houses to work in or or um 
you know, are the products out there that we specify, you know, should they, should we really not challenge where the first time that, that guy found oil, but, you know, we can, we can go back in time and question so many things, but, you know, we, that's another, that's another conversation, I dare say. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think we're sort of, um, actually, there's, there's been quite a couple of recent podcasts and, and other, other just independent conversations that I've been having about our journey to work. You know, how can that be? Um, Dr. Joanne Leach, who I speak to, and works in biophilic cities, there's Birmingham. Um, there are all these, you know, there's different cities that are trying to like create wildlife corridors and because it's a safe yeah. environment, it creates community spaces. There's so much, such a win-win on so many levels if we can uh, green our cities, but not just like, you know, play lip service and just like stick some trees in, but actually think about how those trees and what, what the function of those trees are. You know, is it is it, yeah. is it a wildlife corridor? Is it habitats for things? Is it an educational space? Is it a community space? Is it all of those things? Um, you know, um, you know, do we have views? Do we have water? Do we have, you know, what about our blue spaces? You know, how can we bring that the sound of water? There's so many things. Anyway, yeah. So we we're both. I mean, it's so exciting. You can kind of go off on a bit of a <laughs> bit of a tangent, yeah. but it's um, yeah, e easily easily done. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, you know, when it comes to the cities, we, we, you know, we do, we predominantly, most people now kind of obviously go to work in, um, whether yeah. it be a city, but at the same time, I think um, um, a lot of the spaces that do get missed are now the sort of out of town business parks, especially yeah. the, um, the business parks now where they were developed a good few years ago, you know, and they were, they were purpose built buildings where, you know, warehouses with massive yeah. car parks next to them. Yeah. Um, it, and, and, but the only way to get there is to is to drive your car there. So um, yeah. I think I think at the same time, you know, what can we do to the landscape, not just in cities, but around, you know, to sort of really enhance that experience for for people as well. So uh, yeah, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big, beautiful conversation in many ways. So. Absolutely, yeah, and it's really exciting. So, um, well, I suppose then I'll just because uh, you have a sort of half alluded to what your answer could be, so I'm excited to hear what you're gonna what it's gonna be. But um, listeners to the podcast, regular listeners will know that at the end of each podcast, and it is my favorite favorite part of the podcast. Um, but if you could paint the world with a magic brush of biophilia, what would it look like? <laughs> oh. That is water, by the way. Um, yeah, you know, I, it's it's it is a big it is a big question, but I think for me for me personally, so I I, I would have to answer it personally. Um, it is it is the people just, you know, I I, I I I live in I moved I moved to the woods for that personal experience when I, you know, when when something profound enough happened to me personally um, that altered my kind of direction of direction of life somewhat, if you like. Um, my wife and my family and I decided what do we what do we want from life sooner rather than later. So yeah, we moved to the middle of the woods. You know, this is this is an experience where you know, I'm fortunate enough to have been able to make that decision. Um, I, it's it's um, it's part of the part of the world where we're half an hour from the beach. Um, I can still get into um, London in an hour and a half. So these places do exist, but at the same time. Um, I, I'm, I'm fruitful enough to be able to say that I can I, I've got I can make that choice as well. So I think if everybody took if we everybody could live a little bit more like this, that would be a wonderful thing. But I'm, I'm also aware that, you know, society and at this present moment in time um, or this or this moment in time, you know, decision making processes and suburbia where I used to live, you know, exists for, for many, many reasons. So I think I think, um, you know, 
living in the middle of the woods, the, the, the beauty that brings to me, um, get, being able to get out in nature, very, very, or stare at nature in a, in a almost, well, obviously a daily basis. Um, and seeing seeing the animals, seeing that interaction, go, you know, on a, you know, animals in my garden, um, deer just across the fences, all that kind of stuff, which all uh, you, you don't typically get in, in inner cities. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a beautiful experience. It's a wonderful place to live, my family. Um, but um, but yeah, I think if if we all could, we all could have that magic, that magic brush. And from my perspective, uh, it would be that kind of yeah, that woodland experience where um, we're not we're not you know we're not paving the world with concrete. We're not building. Um, we're not taking the natural resources for the fun of it. Um, that everybody can move around freely. Um, and we're not rushing everywhere. We're not, you know. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big answer. It's a big question to a to a very personal um, response. But um, but yeah, go you know yeah get out yeah the usual get out in nature experience it. Um, but also get into the you know get to the beach see the see the it's up in it's up in Norfolk in the UK. Um, if anybody's out of interest, but yeah, get to the Norfolk coast and you'll be um, blessed with the most amount of headspace that you'll ever need. So uh, whereas trees are good, you know, they are great to be in some in nature. There's nothing like standing on the Norfolk coastline and going and just seeing as far as the eye can see. So the best the best of both worlds, if you like. So. Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.